You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. For 25 years, I've had a strong passion for understanding the science behind why we age and what we can do about it. One of the most groundbreaking discoveries in the last two decades is senolytics. Senolytics are plant-derived or pharmaceutical ingredients that can help your body drop old, worn-out cells. Scientists call them senescent cells, and in my books, I call them zombie cells. As you age, those senescent cells build up in your body. They live for a long time, and they eat up your energy. There is a hack for this. It's called Qualia Senolytic. Your podcast sponsor, Neurohacker Collective, created Qualia Senolytic. It eliminates those zombie cells and has a clinical study that supports its effectiveness. I really felt a difference in how my body moved after just a couple months on Qualia Synolytic. It's upped my energy level even more, and my joints feel really good. If you're over 30 and you want to use a clinically tested formula to help you feel younger, try Qualia Synolytic. To get younger now, visit neurohacker.com Dave and try it risk-free for up to 100 days. Use code Dave at checkout to get 15%. That's neurohacker.com Dave. Use code Dave. When you hear someone talk about blood sugar, you might zone out. That's because a lot of us think that it's only relevant to people with type 2 diabetes. But blood sugar is a topic that everyone should understand. If you want to feel good and have energy, you need to balance your blood sugar. Research shows that even healthy people have wild swings in their blood sugar right after they eat, and spikes in blood sugar make your pancreas work harder. They also make you older, and they put you at a greater risk for weight gain, heart attack, and stroke. Here's why I'm talking about this. Bioptimizers has a new product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough. You take two capsules 15 minutes before a meal. Your body will push carbs and glucose into your muscles for use as fuel instead of fat. That means you get stable energy and you don't have that post-meal crash. Better yet, you can improve your workouts and get better gains at the gym. But the biggest benefit is that it'll improve your overall health. Just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health for an exclusive 10% off. Today's cool fact of the day is what? that t- today's cool fact of the day is that there's actually a small dog in our guest studio <laughs> who just interrupted the show. But that was so funny. We're leaving that in there. Today's cool fact of the day is that if you've wondered why you feel so bad after an all-nighter or after a red-eye flight, uh, there are reasons. There are studies that show that screwing with your circadian rhythm or your internal clock upsets the majority of the genes that rely on it to function properly. About 97% of your clock genes affect everything from mood to blood sugar to hormones to body temperature and to the cellular level activity in your mitochondria, which is the subject of my next book. When these things fall out of sync, you feel like you got run over by a big truck. We say run over by a Mack truck, but now it actually feels like you're run over by a Tesla truck, even though they aren't released yet. When you get run over by a truck, that's the truck you want to hit you just because like, you know, anyway. These clock genes are so dependent on circadian rhythm that if you were to live in total darkness, you could develop sleep patterns of 25 hours or more unless you got some sunlight or maybe just a subset of sunlight, maybe ultraviolet, maybe blue light, maybe red light, ah, who knows, different, different lights, different times a day, huge part of biohacking. Today's guest is he's someone you might have seen on Dr. Oz. 
And he's a clinical psychologist, a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine, a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. He specializes in sleep disorders. He's only, one of only 163 psychologists in the world to do this kind of stuff. He's written about this stuff for years. Recently, he wrote a book that I read. Actually, I stayed up really late reading it, which apparently <laughs> I'm not supposed to do. Uh, last night, called the, the Power of When. Uh, it's none other than Dr. Michael Bruce. Michael? Hey, how are you, Dave? I'm doing well. We actually connected in person two days ago at JJ Virgin's Mindshare event. Uh, yep. JJ Virgin's also a, a mutual friend. She's been a guest on the show. She wrote the, the Sugar Impact Diet and helps me learn how to be a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, so it was really cool to run into you at, at, at yeah. her conference and then be like, oh, wait, it's a, I got a, a pre-release copy of your book where the, the back of the book doesn't have all the endorsements on it yet. And right. I, I took my quiz last night in, in the book just in preparation for our interview. Oh, good. I, I was up till 4 a.m. Uh, <laughs> I, I had coffee and I used bright blue lights, but not in my eyes. Was, was that harmful? Well, you know, it probably wasn't the best idea in the universe. <laughs> You're looking pretty good right now if you've been up all night and had blue lights shining on you and quite a bit of caffeine in you. The, the truth is that I didn't use any caffeine last night, but I did use decaf, a bulletproof with brain octane in it and unfair advantage. I was up to 3.30 <laughs> last night working on my mitochondria book. Oh, good. And this is my third interview of the day, and I'm sitting underneath uh, LED studio lights, which <laughs> frankly pisses me off, but I'm blocking the worst of the blue with some something in these glasses. I don't need corrective vision. These are just here to keep my eyes happy. So I'm feeling okay. Good. <laughs> But yeah, we like it when you're feeling okay, Dave. As America's sleep doctor, it's your fault because your book was really good. Uh, I, I can't say I read the whole thing, but I, I definitely got the gist of it. And uh, I, I actually spent more time reading it than I wanted to because I was supposed to finish more of Chapter 9 in my own book. Um, but uh, thanks for actually a really, a really well-written, uh, impactful book that actually made sense. Uh, tell me about The Power of When. So it was, it was kind of bizarre because I was seeing patients and I've been seeing patients for 16 years and I specialize in insomnia, which isn't always the easiest thing in the world to treat. I'm not a big fan of pharmaceuticals, so I'd rather do that with natural supplements or with cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, several different techniques that wouldn't require a pharmaceutical. And I noticed that it, some of my techniques, which had worked for years, were just not working with my patients. And I kind of couldn't figure out why. So I brought them in and I said, all right, let, let's kind of figure this out. What, what could possibly be going on here? And so one of the things we realized was is that their sleep was actually pretty good. It was just at the wrong time. They were able to sleep six and a half, seven and a half hours, but they either wanted to go to bed too early or wanted to get, go to bed too late. And socially, that just wasn't working out well for them. So I said to the folks, especially the ones who wanted to stay up later, I said, let's get your boss in here and let's see if your boss would allow you to go to work a little bit later just to see if your productivity levels would change. Because I had a pretty good suspicion based on a whole lot of data that they would. And so we actually ran the experiment with two or three of my patients and their bosses were thrilled with their levels of productivity because these people were actually sleeping on what was considered to be their chronotype. So many people might not have heard the term chronotype before, but they probably all heard of the idea of an early bird or a night owl. Those are actually chronotypes. And so what I decided to do was look at, could your chronotype affect not just when you wanted to sleep, but literally everything else that's going on in your day. And that was where it got really cool really fast. 
And so when I started to continue to interview my patients, one of the things they said was, you know, I find there are certain times of day where I'm better at this or I'm better at that. And so when we looked at their hormonal distribution based on their chronotype and the hormones that were necessary to do those activities, I started to be able to match things up and henceforth came the power of when. You know, most self-help books tell you what to do or how to do it. They don't tell you when to do it. It's, it's something that's intuitively obvious to me. Um, I've looked at, <laughs> like, there's research, and you must know about the research, that looks at the, the distribution of the average length of circadian rhythm. Yep. I have a long circadian rhythm. I've never mm-hmm. been a morning person, but we've all seen those shaming style blog posts about how the right. early bird catches the worm and you're lazy if you wake up late. Uh, so for two years, I trained myself to wake up at 5 a.m. and meditate for an hour. And it, like okay. You can do it, right? Yeah. It didn't make me more productive. It didn't make me happier. It didn't make me a better person. <laughs> it, it, did, it, it didn't make me miserable, but it was work. Right. Uh, and I, I am at my most creative. I perform better. Uh, and I, I, when I sleep till nine, actually, uh, that, so you're that, probably a wolf. I am a wolf. And when I read <laughs> the chapter on that and, and for people listening, when you read this book, and by the way, I, I'm like fully endorsing, um, Michael Bruce's book here, the power of win, because it explains that there is no moral failing for waking exactly. up late, for waking up early, for being stronger in the afternoon or stronger in the morning. It's not that one's better. They're just different. Just like some people can eat lentils and other people can't. But you should be suspicious of lentils until you know which kind of person you are because they mess with some people. And you should be suspicious of waking up early in the morning because it messes with some people. Right. Just like you should be suspicious of sleeping in because it messes with some people. Exactly. You got to test it to know. I always tell people, you know, you can't mess with Mother Nature, right? You know, this is genetically predetermined. Like this isn't something that, you know, you just have a preference for. It's actually a, the PER3 gene actually determines your sleep drive. And then your circadian rhythms are genetically predetermined. So when you take those two things and you stick them together, it gets real interesting real quick. Now, being a wolf chronotype, mm-hmm. you just told me that I can't do something like you can't mess with mother nature, which immediately makes me say with CRISPR gene editing, couldn't I change my chronotype? <laughs> you could actually. Um, and <laughs> here's the thing that's really interesting is you can mess with it, but you're not, you aren't necessarily going to change it, right? And so I've got people who come to me all the time and they say, I'm a wolf, which for folks out there, if, you, if you're not familiar with the terminology, it means you're basically a night owl. And by the way, Dave, I'm a wolf too. So is my wife and so are both of my kids. All the best people are. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, and uh, it, it's interesting because using light and caffeine and melatonin, you can actually shift yourself. But you would literally have to do that almost every night or every third night in order for your body to actually stay in that in that rut, if you will, as opposed to just going with kind of like how you were born and what you should be doing. Well, one of the things that makes me mad is that salespeople usually wake up in the middle of the night, like, like around <laughs> 6 a.m. or something. And I used to work as a sales engineer in Silicon Valley. Engineers, disproportionately, I believe, are more wolves. Like, like there aren't that many early morning engineers. There are some, and they're fine. But like, there's a, a more distrib- more of a distribution towards staying up late at night, hacking mm-hmm. computers, yep. not stay- waking up early to hack. Like, who does yeah, that? Nobody does that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, um, they would hold these eight a.m. Monday morning sales meetings. Ugh. And, and I'm like, I'm like seriously. Like, like, why would you do this to people? Apparently, salespeople like that stuff. So I started showing up at, at you know, 8.30, 8.45, because I'm an engineer. Like, like, like right. they don't need me to sit there while they go through their quota numbers. Who cares? I'm going to go in and, like, do the actual work that they get paid for. Um, by the way, every sales engineer ever has said those words. And <laughs> so 
I find that my boss like got in my face about it. He's a sales guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, it's not that I'm being disrespectful. It's that I'm really tired. Like, like I don't do exactly. anything in this meeting. So like, why are you making me beat myself over the head and shoulders? Like, do you want me to actually like, like write million dollar proposals or not write million dollar proposals? Cause if I'm sleeping at my desk and he didn't believe me, uh, but that's okay. Uh, I just showed up late anyway and he didn't fire me. So it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? But your plight is actually one that I hear all the time. Yeah. I hear I hear from my most creative patients, like my musicians, my artists, my writers. It was kind of also interesting when we were talking before, you were saying how you you didn't want to read as much of my book as you did because you were interested in writing your ch- ninth chapter, which is exactly what a wolf would do in the middle <laughs> of the night, is they would be working on a creative you know, chapter. So it's, it's really, you're actually, you're very wolfish in many ways. So what I did that's different though, and I want to get your take on this. Please. I have switched to entirely red led lighting at night. Like mm-hmm. I, it looks like I'm, I'm either like a, I'm in a vampire submarine or, <laughs> or a whorehouse. I, I mean, seriously, there's take no other pick. light. I, right. I, I, it could be a vampire submarine whorehouse. I, I guess, yeah, but, it could be. But uh, it's kind of funny. I, I taped over all the blue LEDs a long time ago. That's part of my sleep hack recommendations. Those things are destructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when I'm working, my monitor is all the way down. I'm running flux at its highest color density, or yep. I'll wear glasses if I'm not. Mm-hmm. And all of the light around me is just pure red LED spectrum. Uh, and I don't suffer from circadian disruption when I do that. Like, like I can stay up late, but I, I woke up this morning at 8.45, felt great, been either with my kids or on a phone call or recording every second of the day without a break except to pee. And I totally feel great. Like You, you can see, like I, I'm yeah. not zombified. That means yeah. I slept... I went to bed at three thirty, uh, so five hours. Yeah. yeah. What did the red lights do? Was that a good idea? Was that a bad idea? Should everyone it a, else be? It's a great idea, um, okay. especially for somebody who is a wolf like you. And, and the thing is, is that you actually got up on a in a reasonable amount of time. From what I see with a lot of my wolf type clients, is a lot of them. If I can just convince their boss to let them wake up at around eight thirty and get to work by nine thirty ten o'clock. They are so much better from an energy standpoint. When you're talking about red light, there's a lot of data that's starting to come out now. You know, we know a lot about blue light, that 460 mm-hmm. nanometers that hits those melanopsin cells and tells your brain, hey, turn off the melatonin faucet. What's nice about the red light spectrum is actually it does the opposite. It actually helps induce sleep in some people, but also it can help be a relaxant. Um, and so, and a lot of my people who are at night, when they have a lot of energy and a lot of anxiety, actually that red light has a tendency to calm them down quite a bit. When I don't have to perform the next day, like today is a big recording day for me, mm-hmm. um, what I would, what I prefer to do to really just just download the entire book into my head is uh, I start writing at 11 p.m. and I'll write straight through till 7 a.m. and I'll have caffeinated bulletproof coffee at 11, which I know is bad, but I'll do that and I'll do a, a stack of smart drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have lots of brain octane to get the ketones going, and I'm. I'm like, I don't even know where I go, but I'm in the zone. And I, yep. I, can, I can pull off 10,000 words that way in, in yep. a good night. And it just, it, and they're good words too. Yeah. Um, so that though has a recovery period. Like, like you're going to have to For sleep sure. in, it's disruptive. Uh, when people hear that, most of them say I'm probably manic or something, or like, like there's, there's something wrong with me um, that I do that. But half the authors that we hung out with at JJ's event, literally when I talk about this, half of the authors are like, oh yeah, I do my best writing after 11 too, but I think I'm a bad person. Right. How bad of a person no. am I? Oh. <laughs> you are not a bad person. I know you might want to be, but I, I'm, I'm here to break it to you. 
that you're not. And, and it's really interesting because at that event, I was talking with a lot of people too, and they were taking the quiz. So for everybody to know, you can actually take a quiz online yeah. to learn what your chronotype is. In fact, I'm being a little bit rude because I'm focusing on the wolf chronotype, which is about 15% <laughs> of people, 20% or something like that. Um, this is your own research where, where you've, you've named these chronotypes. It, it's Correct. actually, it, it, at least for my chronotype, I recognize it and I recognize other people in these other ones. So your categories just intuitively make sense. Walk through the categories because sure. I just dove in on the wolf thing because I just read your book last <laughs> night and I'm all excited about it. So uh, that's what wolves do. We just jump in and like rip meat off yeah, things. Exactly. <laughs> uh, tell me about dolphins, lions, and bears and, okay. and tell people who are listening the characteristics so they might already be able to place themselves in one of these categories before they take the quiz. And the, the URL for the quiz, what is it? Um, the URL for the quiz is thepowerofwhenquiz.com. So the, na- the title of the book with the word quiz on the end. So thepowerofwhenquiz.com. And when you go, it's about 35 questions or so. And so let's go through what the different chronotypes are. So many people have heard of the idea of an early bird or a night owl or what we're calling a wolf. So first of all, when you look at the data, the data was really in those two big categories. And it didn't cover the insomnia patients that I have, which are dolphins, and then the people in the middle, which I call bears. So first of all, I'm going to back up and say, how did I come up with these categories? Why did I name them what they were? So first of all, I'm not a bird. I'm a mammal. And I didn't relate to being a bird, an early bird or a night owl. And so I looked for mammals that were actually in the, the animal kingdom that had these circadian rhythms themselves so that people could identify with them when they thought about these animals. And also the animals are all actually pretty cool. Um, lions are people who have a tendency to wake up early in the morning. These are uh, very uh, go-getter, leadership types of people. Um, they have a medium-level sleep drive. Uh, they don't have any problems waking up early, but socially, they have a tendency to not be able to make it out late. Like, if you want to go to dinner in a movie with a lion, you're just going to dinner because they're probably not going to make it through the movie. They're probably going to fall asleep. Um, and these people are oftentimes the people who are very oriented towards um, a focus challenge. They, they go from A to B to C. Boom. No problem. That's kind of how they are and who they, how they live. Again, they go to bed early, wake up early. That's what I call a lion. In the animal kingdom, lions actually do wake up very early. That's when they have their first kill. So it kind of made a lot of sense. Bears are the majority of the community. So bears make up 50 to 55% of people out there. So don't be surprised if when you take the quiz, there's a high likelihood you could be a bear. Bears are the people that get shit done. Okay. Bears are the people in society that actually get things to happen. They, they work within the society. They're the people who kind of make things flow. These are people who are great at a party, people who you want to hang out with, people who are really friendly. Um, they may or may not be as focused as a lion might be, but they're certainly kind of this affable, enjoyable character that rises with the sun and, and kind of goes to bed a little bit. So, after. so to, to play that back to you, bears are the bad people who cause my kid's school to start at 830 in the morning. <laughs> So I don't want to call them bad people. <laughs> However, there's a whole movement about changing school start times. Um, you know, there's yeah. a lot of data on that, which is pretty interesting. We can talk about that for sure. But no, they're not bad people. But yes, they did come up with those school start times. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry I, to say. I know they're not bad people. And <laughs> I have actually, and I hope that in fact, some of the parents in my kids' school are listening, I have seriously thought about homeschooling my kids. Because I watch what waking up at, at the middle of the night, I live very far north, so it's dark in winter too, but waking up very early does to kids yeah. and especially does to parents. Uh, and, and if my kids started school at nine instead of 830, my kids would be happier, healthier kids. I, I absolutely know that. 
So interesting what happened to me. So I live in uh, just outside of Los Angeles, and um, we just moved here about a year ago, and our kids have a late start day on Wednesdays, right? And so instead of having those crazy half days that you have throughout the year that drives everybody crazy and people have to figure out what to do with their kids, they just start at about 9, 30, 10 o'clock on Wednesdays. Wednesdays was the best day in my house every single week. I've got two teenagers. I've got a 14-year-old and and a 13, almost 13-year-old. And when they got to sleep that extra hour, hour and a half in, there was no worries in the morning. Nobody was yelling at anybody. Nobody couldn't find their homework. Everything had gotten done. Like it just went better because teenagers are wolves. And that's our next category, right? So you and I are the same category, which is a wolf. So wolves are interesting. We're night owls. We're night people. We're very creative, um, but we're also can be somewhat introverted. Um, there are times where we might find ourselves not wanting to be the life of the party, but more kind of hang back a little bit and kind of observe and see what's going on. We're some of the most creative people that I've come across, artists, writers, um, you name it. And that kind of category of people seems to be the wolf. Who are the entrepreneurs? The, uh, you know, it's interesting. I find entrepreneurs in both my lions and in my wolves. Um, I find them in both categories, but different kinds of entrepreneurs, Right. And so entrepreneurs that are at the very start of starting up a business can actually be in either category. But people who lead a business who are like the ones who are getting there at 7 a.m. And like once the business has started up and then somebody has to kind of take over, lions do a great job of that. Whereas wolves are, are a lot of times are the people who are kind of starting up the business late at night, you know, scratching it all out on the on the napkin, that kind of thing. So a wolf might be a CEO and a lion might be a COO. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that would be a great way to think of it, actually. There's, there's your next book. How your yeah. chronotype determines your business leadership. Well, actually, that is going to be the next book. <laughs> we're we're already talking to people about it. Are you really? Cool. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes good sense. And uh, I mean, I, I do, I, Bulletproof is growing and, and I'm, I'm hiring my executive leadership team and, mm-hmm. uh, and hiring other positions in the company. And I absolutely do, do look at, at that. You know, are, are you a morning person? Are you not a morning person? I, I don't actually care if you are or aren't. Uh, from my perspective, I'm a night person. You have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to get emails at 2 a.m. and that you're not going to like pull your hair out and that you're not going to stay up till 2 a.m. if that's not natural for you. But if you want to like Skype with me at, at 2, I'm probably going to be there. <laughs> right. Well, and here's what's really interesting about it when you look at chronotypes for business. And this might be something that would be a fun experiment to do at Bulletproof is when you look at what the task assignments are. And then you can actually look at different times during the day when you can have different chronotypes are actually either more creative or more analytical at different times of the day. And so that gets really interesting for like brainstorming sessions on your creative side versus on your more operational side. So so if you're listening to this by now, you've got to be going, I'm dying to know what, what kind of, uh, what kind of chronotype I am. The quiz is really fast. It's the power of uh, and by the way, um, Michael hasn't paid me anything like or anything like that. <laughs> I just read the book last night. I know Michael. We've we've known each other for a couple of years now, uh, and you know, I, I am a sleep hacker, so of course I follow <laughs> sleep doctors. Like that's just kind of how it works. Uh, and I found the book to be actually way less full of bullshit than I expected. All right, and, and, and I, I don't say that because I thought you were going to produce bullshit, but just because there's no. a lot of stuff out there, there is. Uh, where it's just sort of recycled. And right. this is original research, and the the chronotypes you've identified are way more useful than I wake up early, I stay up late. Right. Now, okay, I, I'm just going to go straight to it. Sure. Tell me a little bit more about dolphins. I don't think you covered them yep. very well. So dolphins is the last one. And dolphins were the ones that started all this for me. Dolphins are my insomnia patients. Okay. These are my people who are the type A personalities 
but they're so obsessive compulsive that they don't get nearly the amount of production done that they want. Um, these are the people that are showing up in my office who have tried different sleep medications. And these people, it's really interesting. Their sleep schedule is pretty whacked out. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. And oftentimes what I'm finding is if I can just kind of surround them with some parameters and educate them the right way, we seem to we seem to actually do better. They're super intelligent folks, and sometimes that can be to their detriment because they've looked up literally everything there is to know about sleep. And they come in and they say, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm taking this herb and that herb. And I'm like, hold on, slow down a second. Let's just figure out what your natural body rhythm is for sleep and let's work with that. Now, does it make sense to not hire dolphins because they're all over the place? It, it makes sense to hire dolphins for very particular job functions. Like dolphins are super smart people. And so sometimes if you don't put work parameters around them, if you say, here is the task, I want you to go and do it. Dolphins are great at that. Um, they're good kind of loner type of people. And then, and, and if you don't give them, if you give them some time parameters, they actually work fairly well with that. But then when you give them that parameter, don't tell them, but you're going to lie to them. And it's actually going to be a week later because they're probably going to come to you right at that time parameter and say, I'm almost there, but their perfectionistic te- tendencies are going to want them to do a little bit more. So if you can give them that fudge factor without them knowing, it'll work out pretty well. So, so at, at Bulletproof, uh, we use a, a couple different profiling tools to mm-hmm. help people know how to work with each other. We use the Colby score. Sure. Which is a, a measure from Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach, yeah. who taught me about that. It's K-O-L-B-E, and you probably know about it because mm-hmm. we hang out in the same mastermind yeah. groups where we all know about this, but listeners maybe don't. And the, the Colby score tells you your instinct, like like how, how quick are you to start things? How much information do you need before you're willing to make a decision? So you can talk to somebody, oh, this is someone who has to have all the facts before they'll move. It, it sounds like you've got the beginnings in the chronorhythm because these sleep patterns actually determine a lot more about your personality than I would have thought. It sounds like like you could blend this or you could use it as another uh, another way of helping employees relate to each other. Like, I would Absolutely. love to know the chronotype for everyone in my company. Like, the, in fact, we may put that Let's on do our. It. <laughs> cool. So, in fact, oh, we're going to add this, and, and I'm sure that my head of culture right now is going, "Oh, I got another one." Every employee at Bulletproof has a baseball card. Oh, and that's it, awesome. it's, we don't really play baseball, but it, it's like on it, it has like your name, like your, what you do, and it has your Colby score, it has your color code, <laughs> uh, and uh, a few other little, little things like that. But we could easily add your chronotype, which is cool. Like, what if all your coworkers knew, like, don't mess with this guy in the morning? Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, that's so cool. So, we're, actually, we'll roll that out. We're absolutely going to do that. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's really cool to just have these tools, especially for someone who's remote. Right. Like, like I scheduled an 8 a.m. meeting and they're like, please don't schedule 8 a.m. meetings. Right. right. But they don't even want to tell you that. Yeah. Right. Because you're the boss. And, you know, even though you probably have an awesome relationship with your people and they can tell you just about anything, everybody's kind of got that fear factor of, oh, gosh, I don't want to tell my superior not to do something. But yet yeah. if they knew these guys would be so much more productive for you, totally. if we were scheduling the right things at the right time. Oh, my gosh, I'm telling you, it would it would fly. All right. So, is there any reason that the, uh, there's a bunch of CEOs, including some really big company CEOs who listen to Bulletproof Radio? Uh, I only know that because they told me. Um, <laughs> is uh, uh, is there any reason that that a company couldn't just tell their employees to do the test and give them the results? I mean, it's, it's a free test. It's a free test. All you right. can go on the you can go on the website. I'm happy to you know explain it. I, my one of my goals is to have this become part of different ecosystems and cultures. And so the workplace ecosystem, like I said, that's what I want my next book to be is The Power of Win for Business. So we could use Bulletproof as a beta test 
and we could roll it out and we could see some, I, I guarantee you we'd see some really cool stuff. Yeah, that, that could be really cool. And let, let's talk about that after the show because sure. we are a group of biohackers. Everyone in the company exactly. is working for their own, their own improvement. And, and so if you're listening to this right now, you're like, okay, like yet another experiment. But here's the deal. It's like a five-minute test. Right. And I'm if guessing, that. I didn't do the online one. I just checked off the, added the numbers up in the book. By the way, you need to make it so that the, the scoring and the, num- and the letter and the score don't always match. Because it was pretty clear that you were trying to get a higher number to make me a wolf. Like, right. it, was, it was a little easy to game that test. <laughs> Just as a hacker. Well, hopefully like, you didn't try to game it, although your hacking background would make it such <laughs> that you probably did. <laughs> I was like, I want to be a lion wolf. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, there are... <laughs> nice. uh, so anyway, it, 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 this is a free thing you, you, can, all, you mm-hmm. can all do. I highly encourage you to do it. Because you'll learn something about other things. And when I say I was just going to get right to it earlier, as I forgot dolphins... One of the things you talk about in the book is the best time for sex. Yep. So as a wolf, tell me, when should I be getting some? All right, so this is fascinating. So if you look at the data on when do people have sex, 73% of the time it's based on availability and not during a work schedule. That's it. It has very little to do with desire. I believe that sex is another form of communication, and there's different kinds of sex that are going to communicate different kinds of messages between you and your partner. And so when we start to look at this, we want to understand what could be the best time to have meaningful sex versus more like kind of throwaway sex. And, and there are different things, but from a performance standpoint, it gets really interesting really quickly. So looking at the hormones that you need for sex, what do you need? You need testosterone, you need progesterone, you need, hopefully you get some oxytocin that comes in there a, a little while, uh, maybe even a little bit of serotonin, and you want to have low melatonin, right? So what are the things that are low at night and high at night. Low at night is testosterone, progesterone, (laughs) oxytocin, and what's high at night? Melatonin. Nighttime sex could arguably be the worst time for you to have sex just from a pure performance standpoint. So I'm telling everybody needs to get it on Saturday mornings at around 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. But most of us are working around then, except on Saturdays and Sundays, right? So you're talking like once a week sex is enough? No. So what I've done is I've actually created, so I actually created a matrix in the book. So, and, and because, you know, pe- different people are married to different chronotypes. I happen to be married to somebody who's a wolf. So it actually, convenient. it is convenient. And we didn't really, we actually, you know, now I think about, it, we kind of did know it because when we were dating, we would be the couple that we, we'd go to the 1030 movie and we would, it would be 1230 when we got out and we we're like, well, we need to get something to eat. Like it wasn't like we were going to go crash. So we kind of both fell along that path anyway. But I created actual matrix, and so you can put your chronotype across the top and your partner's chronotype across the bottom, and then it actually gives you times when that'll be the, the hormones will be in the right space for you or not. I also have a second matrix for homosexual couples and for lesbian couples. So are you obsessive-compulsive? I'm not, you know. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Um, the, the matrixes were really well done. I was like, you spent a lot of time thinking about this is all I'm saying. But I spent but you, a lot of time thinking about it. You know what? It's the yeah. number one question that I get asked about the book. Is it? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I also, as a former teacher, I, I have a lot of respect for the amount of time it takes to make a clear communication vehicle like that. Like the, yeah. the roadmaps and stuff that I, I did took almost as much time as writing the book right. to get all the info in there. So I, I looked at it. I was like, I could look at it in 10 seconds and figure out what I wanted to know. So um, thumbs up on, on the matrix. Thanks. Yeah, uh, we did it. Oh, I was going to say, we also did a similar matrix for uh, when to ask your boss for a raise. That's a big one. Well, so, what, <laughs> so, so tell me about that. So, so if your boss is, we said a lot of bosses are lions, right? Yeah. 
They yeah, are. So if your boss is a lion, if you were to roll the dice, maybe that's true. <laughs> These are morning-oriented optimists with medium sleep drive. Right. If memory serves. Yes. So when should you ask a lion for a raise? So it's really interesting. So when you there's actually three different studies that have kind of helped us confirm this. One was looking at positivity or in terms of positive mood throughout a week. Uh, the most positive day, surprise, surprise, it's Fridays. Um, probably because you've completed many of your tasks, you're moving towards the weekend, which is obviously a more social time. As you tick down the hours, as closer you get into the after the noon factor, again, people get more and more positive in terms of their mood, assuming something major isn't going on or there isn't something big that, you know, some deadline that hasn't been missed. So Fridays after noon is good for anybody. Then you can get your boss's characteristic in there, whether they're a wolf, a bear, I'm sorry, a lion, a bear, a wolf, or a dolphin. There's a little bit of factor here. So for, for if you've got a lion boss, you want to hit him about two o'clock because that's where the last of their kind of good concentrative energy is going to be. Then for bears, you can actually hit them closer to like 334. And then wolves, believe it or not, it's better to take your boss out for a drink after, <laughs> after work at around six o'clock and talk with them more socially there because then they're going to be primed. Again, not many bosses are wolves. You happen to be one, but most people aren't. Um, and then for dolphins, you can actually catch them somewhere in between, like, a, like a, around the three to four range. You never want to go past four o'clock because everybody's ready to go home and people don't want to talk you know, business on four o'clock on Friday. The second factor is your ability to communicate. So not only are you looking at their chronorhythm, but what is your chronorhythm and when are you best able to put your case forward to say, hey, look, I'm awesome and I need more money. Well, if so, you know, the other person's chronorhythm, but you have control of your own state. So right. if you're going to ask your boss at the best time for them, pop some modafinil, have some bulletproof coffee, <laughs> uh, do there some jumping go. jacks, like you know, rock and roll, like, you know, shine some blue lights in your eyes. Just kidding. But but like not even really kidding. Like, OK, so like you for should real. be in a peak state. Do your heart rate variability like, you know, have, have the universe spinning above your head when you walk into that room. Exactly. I mean, do you I already read at least part of the book, so. Like you have some tools, maybe not quite to that extreme. How would someone who's at a low performing part of the day turn themselves into a high performer for a critical situation like asking for a raise or giving a speech at a time that's not good for them? So the easiest thing that people can do is walk outside and get direct sunlight. Yes. Um, there's, there's just no other way. I mean, vitamin D is certainly helpful, but that sunlight, what it really does is many people don't know, but between one and three in the afternoon, there's a small core body temperature dip. And that actually causes a small release of melatonin, which kind of fogs out your brain. Um, also, if you've had too many carbohydrates for lunch, that serotonin, which is going to be kicking up due to the carbohydrates, is going to kind of mellow you out. You want to be fairly articulate. Go outside, get that sunlight. And instead of the day that you want to ask for the raise, instead of having a carb-related carb lunch, I would say more of a protein-related lunch or have a protein snack right before because that can kick you in gear. And then you've got some cool supplements that actually could be pretty helpful at that point in time as well. Oh, thanks. Like the mitochondrial stuff? Yeah, the mitochondrial stuff would work awesome right then. It, it totally does. <laughs> now, yeah, I, I do have one bone to pick with you. Fire away. I mean, you, you come from the, the medical, uh, medical side of things and, and all. I hear talking about protein and carbs, mm. but you don't talk about fat very much in there. Like protein Fair is enough. a terrible fuel source. Like, like protein's building blocks, but it's, it's metabolically expensive and it turns into sugar anyway. So like where's fat in all this? So fat is, so it, fats are actually really interesting when it comes to energy sources and levels. The reason that I was talking more about protein and, and, and you're right, I didn't talk about fat and I probably should have. The, the reason that I was focusing more on proteins is because we know when you have a protein 
uptick, then you actually have an insulin uptick, and that actually makes you feel more alert and, and can actually you, make you feel. And you get focused. you get erexins from it too. Modafinil right. triggers erexins as well. Okay, so so you want right. protein as a stimulatory thing. Exactly. But, That's but the you don't. I'm saying it. Okay, you don't mean protein without fats. Gosh, no. Oh my okay. gosh, no. I would never. I mean, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right. Now we're talking Bulletproof Bars. All right. 11 yeah. grams of collagen protein, 2 grams of carbs, and a ton of brain octane. All right. Oh, you know, I mean, I actually wasn't familiar with that product. I would say that would actually work quite well. Okay. That, that's like uh, what I take when I travel, but it, it's uh, the way brain octane metabolizes. It's almost like a carb, but it goes to ketones instead of oh. to, into glucose pathways. So you bypass that whole... All the liver long chain fat things. That's oh, why brain octane is full of. Yeah, that, it's so you get like a mitochondrial stimulation thing. Um, I, I would propose that those are probably a good thing. But also, I think if I was going to go in, uh, especially in the afternoon, I might eat one of those bars and have a, a couple squares of dark chocolate with sugar, like 70%, just oh, to yeah. get a little bit of glucose because glucose and ketones at the same time are good. Your brain's really happy, right? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're going to come across better, you're going to come across confident energetic, your boss is going to see that in you and be like, oh, why, why haven't I promoted you earlier? <laughs> uh, the other thing, uh, what about people who get a little bit ampy? Like, mm-hmm. like you might be at a point in your day where you're like a little bit jittery, especially if you're one of these dolphin people. Yeah. Uh, what, what should they do before going in for a, a, a big ask or going on stage? So w- believe it or not, with my dolphins, I actually, I, I would probably look at a carb fat kind of combination. I, I absolutely believe that's it. powerful. Okay. Yeah. I, I really what, what think kind, what kind of carbs, helps. what kind of fat do you like? Well, ice personally, cream. I'm an ice cream guy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say <laughs> personally, I'm an ice cream guy. Um, I, I would have no problems telling my dolphins to, you know, swing out and get a scoop. You know, if there's a Ben and Jerry's nearby or so, I mean, I know that's not necessarily the best, but you know, I mean, you could definitely do, do far worse. Um, I actually think that, um, Greek yogurt, uh, frozen Greek yogurt is actually another really good one. That's one of the things I do with people. Um, the hard cheese and crackers can also be another good one. Um, stay away from the softer cheeses. Cause I think those have to, um, they have something in tyramine. them. Tyramine. Thank you. Um, and that can slow people down. So I, I would say those would be some great snacks that you could go and right before if you're a dolphin. Are you concerned at all about caseomorphin or gluteomorphin? Like I, I see so many people who eat milk and then they get tired after they have milk protein specifically. So it's interesting is um, I worked on a project on a project and product years ago that was actually trying to um, identify and isolate the caseins in breast milk because they, they thought that the breast milk made babies go to sleep faster. And so they actually created um, a couple of products from it. And we found it made people super sleepy. Um, I, I tried a product like that a couple of years ago, milk protein derived something or another. I didn't feel a thing from it, but this mean it doesn't work. It just means yeah. I didn't feel a thing, right? Like we're all yeah, well, my, if I was going to, if I was looking at you as a test subject, number one, I'd want to know what time of day you took it. Um, because of your chronotype. <laughs> yeah. I, I took it before bed, but yeah. Right. But I mean, what time did you go to bed? And I can tell my, my bedtime is on average for the last three and a half years on the same monitoring app. It's exactly 2 a.m. Like it, it mm-hmm. varies on, on average, but and I sleep six hours and one minute per night. And mm-hmm. like, that's what I do. And I yeah. didn't use, I used to need eight hours. I need six when my biology works well. I need six when right. I don't take care of myself. I need eight. Right. Well, and you know what? That's actually a really interesting point that we talk about a little bit in the book, but just in general, one of the things that I talk about to people is eight hours is a myth. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say people, that again. <laughs> eight hours is a myth. Okay. I'm a board certified sleep specialist. I've been seeing patients for 15 years. 
I get six and a half hours a night. That's my number. It works for me. It always has. I, I, and, and you know what? I've said it on national television. I've said it everywhere I can. Not everybody needs eight. As a matter of fact, most people don't. <laughs> There's a study that I, I've talked about lots of times on, on the show and on the blog. 1.2 million people, many years of data, and they showed people who live the longest get six and a half hours of sleep. Like there we go. They live longer than people sleep eight hours a day. Right? And, and I think it means that healthy people need less sleep. Is that, a, is that a reasonable assumption or a reasonable assessment? Well, here's what I would say is I find that there's, there's at least two, maybe three different categories of people who sleep okay. less. Um, one are anxiety neurotic people right. that aren't necessarily healthier. Um, and they have the, those anxiety issues actually can peel years off the back end of your life if you don't get them treated. Then I think there's this interesting kind of health groove that people get into. People I know who are daily exercisers, um, they rarely, rarely get more than six and a half hours sleep. Seven hours is like a vacation for them. Um, and most of the time, they actually feel like crap if they do it, uh, which I think is also another really interesting factor that a lot of times if you try to get the, quote, recommended amount of sleep, you feel worse, which seems super counterintuitive to me. The the third group of people um, that kind of get six and a half hours sleep, um, what ends up happening is they get six and a half and then they're up for a couple hours and then they go take a two and a half to three hour nap. And so I don't know if I would count them in the six and a half hour group just because mm. they're going and getting, you know, extra sleep yeah. there. So I would say they probably fall into those two categories, one of which I would say is probably very healthy. What do you think about biphasic sleep? This idea that we used to wake up in the middle of the night, have sex or like, yeah, or have smoke. a meal, speak to people. Yeah. yeah. And then you would have your second sleep. Right. right. And that's, that's what it used to be called. So it's so messed up because from an evolutionary perspective, like we were doing great, by the way, before the light bulb was invented. Amen. You know, like life was good. There's a great study where they took 20 insomniacs and they took them camping for three weeks. Guess what happened? They all slept fine. <laughs> it was it, I mean, it was truly they were out in the woods. They had no screens. All they had was a campfire and they were doing like, you know, activities during the day, physical activities during the day, gathering stuff, creating their their shelter and their fire and things like that. And literally within two weeks, all of these people did extremely well with their sleep. So the light bulb really messed us all up. And it's kind of ironic because if you look at any of the work of Edison, he thought he didn't value sleep at all. He, he claimed that the further into the future we get, the less sleep we'll need. You know, I, I think Edison had some wisdom there. Uh, if I could tomorrow <laughs> flip a switch so that sleep was entirely optional, it would be an absolute gift. As long as I'm I didn't go have, against you on this as, one. As long as I didn't have to pay for it, right? In, in other well, words, okay. It, right, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, I don't mean just amping myself up and getting cancer and all the stuff that happens right. when you don't sleep. Right. I mean that if, if we could reduce our need for sleep and still mm-hmm. perform and, and perform as well and live as well, there's a lot of time spent on sleep that isn't particularly productive. And you can say we need that time, we're dreaming or whatever. But yeah, no. I'd no. like to choose whether I spend the time on that without health impacts. Are, okay. are we going to get there? Well, like, well number I, one, we might. Um, But here's the thing is if actually you look at sleep architecture, right? So you Uh do the EEG, you do the full polysomnogram, and you look at somebody's brainwaves all night long. The most productive waveforms are stage three, four sleep or REM sleep. Stage Uh three, four is the physically, you know, restorative and REM is the mentally restorative. Stages one and two, which makes up 55% of the night. It's a waste. It's fucking filler. Okay. All right, I'm I'm clapping, I'm jumping up and down. If I had pom poms, I'm doing them. It's the filler that right. I don't want. I want that time back. Like okay. I could play with my kids during that yeah. time. All right, so let me. So so people ask me this all the time. Can you hack your sleep? 
The answer is you can. There are different schedules that can be done that people have tried historically. Um, and people come to me all the time and they're like, Michael, I want to get my eight in four, right? So can I just sleep for four hours and get what would be considered eight hours of sleep? We're not quite there yet. Um, there are some schedules out there that are interesting. Here's the, there are two big problems that I've found when I've tried this with my patients. And this was under their you know, insistence, not mine. This is polyphasic? or Yeah, more like a polyphasic type of schedule. No, uh, number one, they get super lonely um, because they're up and nobody <laughs> else is. And um, even with the internet and even if they have friends, you know, in, in European countries, there's just so many times that you can Skype with somebody, you know, when, because you're up when literally everybody that you care about is asleep. And so that is a very, very, that can be a very isolating feeling. Um, number two, anybody who has any proclivity for depression, it pops right out. Um, and, and I'm not talking like a little bit of depression. I'm talking about like major depression, like where you need to get yourself back, you know, to where you need to be. So if you have a proclivity for depression, I don't, I'm not a big, I, I would say no to polyphasic sleep schedules um, and be prepared. The longest I've had somebody do it was for about nine months and they just got so bored and lonely. The other thing that's weird about it is you basically have about three hours in between, you know, your naps and it's not time to do a whole lot. Like you can't go see a movie and have dinner. Like it's just not going to yeah. work. I look. I did it for like a couple of weeks a while ago, and, and decided it was absolutely a waste of time because it takes so much focus and energy and, and tracking. Energy yeah, and I, I, I'm not convinced that it's going to allow you to have the right hormone fluctuations. I, don't uh, I it does. what I, I have done that's been really successful is uh, I've slept two hours a night and woken up feeling really refreshed, and mm-hmm. I've done it multiple nights in a row, believe mm-hmm. it or not. But when I do that, I put a cerebral electrical stimulation on. It's a Russian sleep machine, mm-hmm. and I run a 1.5 hertz. This is stage three, four sleep. <laughs> a current back and forth between my ears, which forces my brain to spend two hours <laughs> in that phase. And I wake up and I'm like, damn, I feel pretty good. And then Forced I go about my delta day. sleep. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I want to try your Russian sleep machine. I'm okay, coming up. Two- to where you are and okay. working to do it. There's only 2,000 of these they ever made, uh, and, and it's possible to buy a similar one today that allows you to choose the frequency, oh, but most cerebral electrical stimulation is set in the alpha brainwave thing for depression. And, and but that's not, a sleep, that's not a sleep wave. That's a wake wave. I know, but that's what most CES <laughs> is today, and I have one where I can pick the frequency and oh, the waveform, and like, it's, just, it's one of those weird things that you buy when you're a crazy biohacker. So I, <laughs> if they still made them, I would... I, but the, Is that that crazy machine that's behind you that keeps having those waveforms? Um, that's actually... I, I've got a rectal monitoring system. No, I'm kidding. Oh, good to um, know. <laughs> I'm not coming to your house now. <laughs> no, th- that is uh, actually part of the set. It's meant to look like my brain, but my... I don't have... I have a 24-channel EEG, but it's not next to me right now. Okay. So th- there's a lot of monitoring equipment up here, but that machine... Oh, I, next time we meet at a conference, I'll bring it. It's oh, cool. the size of two decks of cards. I've traveled around the world with it multiple times mm. and it, it's actually one of my probably four most important pieces of biohacking technology and you can't buy it anymore which is annoying wow. <laughs> that's fascinating <laughs> uh, sorry to get off off track no, there a little bit but I, I just like i want to know a have you ever tried cerebral electrical stimulation or tdcs the more more current type of that on sleep disorders so um there's um almost no data on on uh, a push technology. So right now, most um, sleep scientists are doing pull technology, right? So what what information can I get from your brain that I can record? Almost nobody is putting a signal in <laughs> to sort of see what happens because they're scared. There's a, there's a really interesting group out of St. Louis that I'm associated with, and they've created a pillow that actually sends 
um, signals, uh, auditory signals in binaurals. Yeah, it, it's much better than a binaural. Okay. Um, it's a it's a lot more high tech. And what they did was they actually did this to surgical patients during surgery. Smart. And the anesthesiologist found they needed less anesthetic to keep these people out. That is, which is not fascinating. Too surprising. Right. No, it makes perfect sense once you once you understand how it works. I've been experimenting with binaural beats and similar technologies for a very long time, like since I started paying attention to all the stuff the brain could do, which is another like push, like pushing a signal into the brain. Right. Uh, for for listeners, the idea is you make a sound in one ear and you make a sound in the other that's almost the same but offset a little bit. And as the brain tries to line them up, it sets up a wave in the brain. So if I wanted uh, 1.5 hertz delta, I would just have you know 200 hertz in one ear and 201.5 hertz in the other ear. Right. And it would just, it, if you listen to just one ear, it just sounds like a constant hum. But when you put it on each ear, it sounds like it's going whoom, 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 whoom. And that does change your brain state. Bill Harris has been on the show. He spoke at the Bulletproof Conference uh, last year and I think maybe the year before. Um, he, he's a friend. Centerpoint technology is mm-hmm. another type of tech like that. Do you have patients who just listen to Centerpoint or listen to binaural beats when they're going to sleep in order to fall asleep faster or to get less of this wasteful sleep and more of the good stuff? So the first part of your question is, yes, I do have people that listen to that. I can't okay. I can't tell you whether or not it actually filters out some of the stage one, stage two that they've got okay. going on. Some of them do report to me that they sleep less time. So I would argue that there's a great possibility that that's what's occurring um, okay. because I'm not seeing like the typical signs of uh, stage three, four deprivation or this typical signs of REM deprivation. So if I had to guess, I would say there's probably a possibility. I don't have any hard science to prove it though. Okay. That's totally a fair point. Uh, another big target for my sleep hacking. And when I say sleep hacking, I don't mean sleeping less. I mean, sleeping so well that I need less. Like, yeah. like it, it, it's a very different perspective. Well, sleeping better. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like if you have a car, it's like you could go really, really fast and get there, or you could uh, you could go really, really slow and get there. But the point is you want to get there and not stop halfway, which is what happens when you wake up early without enough sleep. The other big question I have for you, this mm-hmm. is an area where I've really targeted my own sleep hacking okay. lately, is around the glymphatic system, not the lymphatic system. Okay. And, and so... A lot of people have heard about the lymphatic system and the lymph nodes and all that. This drains interstitial fluid and, and puts it back into circulation and kind of it, it's a waste management thing. You know this stuff well. Mm. Well, there's also the glymphatic system. Not familiar with that. So this is only like 2013 they, they discovered this, maybe 2012 the first paper came out. And they figured out that at night the cells in the brain lose about 60% of their volume. Mm-hmm. So the mitochondria pump fluid out of the cells that contains some waste proteins that happen during the day. Mm. This protein or this fluid is then flushed out with cerebral spinal fluid and they call that the glymphatic system and they found the glymph ducts and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, so they had all this stuff, oh, there's no lymphatic system in the brain. The glymphatic system does all the work and it's special for the brain and, and so there's all this rigmarole. And then last year in 2015, they said, oh, we found the lymphatic system in the brain. We just didn't look for the right thing. So apparently the brain is connected to the lymphatic system, and at night we are exchanging fluids and draining uh, basically metabolic byproducts, and the brain is very metabolically active at night. For sure. It's just I mean, look at REM sleep. It's actually almost as active in REM as it is during wake. Totally. And so it turns out there's an extra system that's on top of lymphatic. There's glymphatic to pump the cerebral spinal fluid in, and that the cellular volume changes a lot at night, which is a mitochondrial-mediated thing. For sure. 
So what that tells me is that if I can turn up my mitochondrial function, or if I can reduce the creation of oxidative byproducts, right. I'm going to be more effective at, at expanding and shrinking my cells. Essentially, I'm going to wash my brain at night better. And I find that when I take mitochondrial enhancers before bed, I, I sleep better and I wake up earlier feeling fully refreshed. And I think it's because the basic toxin removal process is well, yeah. better. I, I would, I mean, I, there's no question that it sounds like the toxin removal process would, would be, would certainly be better. I wonder, well, the only way we could really do it is if we stuck a bunch of things inside your head and we kind of watched what you did. And I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Just drill a hole right in there and figure that I have out. One. Yeah. You're not trepanated? Come on, man. I am not. I am not. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I can't say that I know much about the glymphatic system, but okay. what I can tell you is, is, is that it certainly would make sense. We know that a lot of stuff is going on during REM sleep, um, in particular, because if people don't know, that's where you move information from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. That's where you create this organizational structure inside your brain for all the information that you've got. It also helps pull out all the crap. So you've got so much stuff that's coming in all the time into your eyeballs and your ears and your nose and your mouth and your, and your sensors that that information gets kind of built up. And one of the things that REM sleep does, and a little bit stage three, four, is it actually pushes all of that extra stuff out and kind of washes out the brain. So what would be really interesting would be to look at mitochondrial function um, in the brain if you enhanced it, then what I would want to look at is a pre-post. Like I would want to okay. look at your... REM sleep beforehand and your stage three, four sleep beforehand in a given time period and then do it post. And, you know, an A-B test, that would be interesting to see. Uh, that would be interesting to see. Uh, I suppose we would need some really high quality sleep monitoring. Nah, it wouldn't be that hard. We could use your EEG. Oh, that's a fair point. Although my EEG, it's a big helmet with, with no, it doesn't have gluon electrodes. It has okay. uh, contactless electrodes. So it's easy to put on and off, but it would be really uncomfortable to sleep in. <laughs> mm. Maybe I need more gear. You could. It's certainly a possibility. Okay, another question about sleep. I'd I'd love getting to to pick a real sleep expert's brains. Sure. When we were at JJ Virgin's Mindshare event, Mm -hmm. uh, it was in San Diego. I find there's a lot of environmental mold in San Diego for whatever reason. Lots of air conditioning, lots of moist Mm -hmm. air. Uh, and the hotel room I was in had toxic mold, and not the kind that that like makes me feel it right away. I've lived in houses with toxic mold before. I've done a documentary called Moldy. Yeah, right. Quick plug: MoldyMovie.com. If you haven't seen it, I've like Daniel Amen and like all these experts yeah, going. It's actually, really this, cool. I've seen it. It's actually you've seen excellent. it. Okay. Yeah. And I woke up. Okay, I'd been staying up till four or five in the morning. I knew I was behind on sleep when I got there. I was going to get eight hours of sleep, wake up feeling refreshed, and be there for the conference. I went to bed and I woke up and I felt like I was very hungover. I had weird nightmares, which for mm. the first time in many years, mm-hmm. uh, like bizarre, like like self, like like pieces of glass stuck in my hands, kind of nightmares, very out of character for me. Okay, and uh, I had a headache, swollen sinuses, and essentially all the symptoms. I was sleeping in a moldy room. In fact, yeah. I'm absolutely certain I talked to mold in the room because those are the symptoms, especially right. the weird dreams. And it, so I actually. I've got a hotel room at another hotel uh, so I could get a good night's sleep, and I slept a full normal sleep cycle the next night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did take me out of commission for about a day where my brain wasn't working that well. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things I ask someone who comes to me and says, Dave, I'm not performing well. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, are you having nightmares? 
And then the next question, if they say yes, is did they start recently? And if they say yes, I say, is, is there a recent history of water damage or leaks in your house? And they always say yes. Oh, that's fascinating. Why, does envir- why do environmental toxins like that cause you to have creepy, weird dreams? So, so I'm not a dream researcher, but I do okay. know a good bit about dreaming. Um, and so one of the things that we know is that dreams are a manifestation of sensory information. Right. And so just because you consciously didn't see something to make you feel fearful to cause the dream, your body is interpreting those signals all the time. And so if I had to guess, I would say that your body in particular was put into a scenario that, number one, it's not used to. Right. Because your home is probably, you know, super mold free. You've, you've gone through all of those things to, to okay. get it that way. Right. So you go from a, what would be considered to be a, quote, a sterile environment to a mold you know, ridden environment. So that's number one. So there's an exposure factor. And even though you kind of thought there was some mold there, you weren't 100% sure, your body damn well knew that there was. Oh, it it knew. (laughs) Yeah. And so that information is rolling around in your head. And it was interesting that you said that you you felt like you had glass in your fingers. Was that what you... That that was actually what I dreamed. I dreamed that I had shards of glass. And I haven't had a nightmare in in so many years I can't remember. But nightmares are so universally correlated, like unusual, bizarre, strong nightmares mm-hmm. um, that aren't the recurrent kind. They're, they're correlated with toxin exposure. Like, so what's like, interesting about that one in particular is uh-huh. I've heard of that dream before, mm-hmm. and that dream oftentimes has to do with inflammation. Um, it was indeed. <laughs> right? And so yeah. that's probably what you were feeling was that was yeah. your brain's representation that there's inflammation, and my guess was that it was probably caused by the mold and toxins that were in your hotel room. You could actually see my forehead was inflamed. My skin got little uh, little pimples that I'd never get. Uh, no? I had a little bit of a spare tire. My man boobs grew a half a cup size. <laughs> you know, it was, I was like, man, I'm not looking so good here in San Diego at the pool. But um, fortunately, the 70s disco party night. By the way, if you guys are not following me on Instagram, there is a picture of me in a 1970s outfit that is truly epic. Uh, I'm, I think, Dave.Asprey on Instagram. Uh, anyway, um, I, I survived. Is, is well, that's good. Story, but but I, I, I noticed that people have recurring, bizarre, heavy-duty, uh, disturbing dreams. Mm-hmm. I've do. never heard of a physician or a sleep expert saying, tell me about the toxin level in your diet or in your uh, sleep environment. Yeah, so there's two reasons for that. Uh, number one is 90% of the sleep specialists out there are sleep apnea doctors. They're okay. just looking in your throat. They just want to see if you have apnea. They're going to send you for the test. They're going to put you on a CPAP. That's their gig. That's what they do. The other 20, 25% are actually interested in all of the different sleep disorders. There's a very, very small percentage. Um, I happen to be one of them that's interested in things like insomnia, nightmares, things like that. And so number one, people haven't been trained in order to even think about looking for that stuff because number one, it's fairly new. Even though it makes intuitive sense, it's fairly new. And so a lot of the practitioners out there haven't gotten any kind of training on it. Um, When I have people who say nightmares appeared out of nowhere, if there's not a traumatic event that has occurred it, I start going down all those kinds of paths. I start looking at allergies, food allergies, things like that. Like what have you eaten lately? What have you experienced lately? It is part of my protocol to ask some environmental questions um, but I'm going to start including the water damage question because I think that makes a lot of intuitive sense. I think you'll find that your hit rate is astoundingly high there. Yeah. When I'm dealing with coaching patients, uh, not patients, I, I don't have patients, I'm not like that, but coach, coaching clients um, who are also sleep patients with, uh, with sleep doctors and all that stuff, I've never had one of them say, you know, oh, like they asked me about it. And 
it's almost predictable. Like I, I would say it's to the point where 80% of the time after you've talked to someone for a few minutes, you can guess that it's happening because they have so many of like the, the statistical things that are right. unlikely in a general person. Right. Uh, but they're so spread across a multiple symptom bucket that you wouldn't know unless you, you knew. It's frustrating for patients too, by the way, because they yeah. come in and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me. All of a sudden I moved into a new house and I'm having these nightmares. And I'm like, I don't think there's a ghost. There's something else going on. Even in our community here, I mean, our medical director at at Bulletproof uh, had toxic mold. When he moved into a new house, he didn't know it. And and Mm. he saw moldy and we were talking. And I'm like, have you tested? And yeah, underneath the carpet where his home office was. (laughs) Uh, And he, he, of course, he replaced it and everything was fine. Right? Like like that that was really cool. Yeah. Note to self, when you live at the beach, hardwood floors. Uh, Amen. Yeah, hardwood (laughs) floors and... And look out for the air conditioner. You get warm, yeah. moist air coming into a cold air conditioner. Yeah. Um, it happens regularly. And sure. I, I believe half, at least half of buildings have water damage, either in the, oh, the for sure, of course, the HVAC is. or in the walls. It, yeah. It's just there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and so that's one thing to look for. So change in environment does that. We haven't talked enough about LED lights, though. Okay. Uh, so I, I am predicting a wave of macular degeneration because blue light is really hard on mitochondria. Right. In, in, when you're in sunlight, it's different because you're getting full spectrum light that includes blue. Mm-hmm. When you're under these white LEDs, there's tons of blue light and not very many of the other spectrums. So it's like you can see, but it's, it's, it's almost like junk food. Like it tastes like food, but it's got way too much sugar and, right. and hydrogenated fat and not enough of the good stuff. Um, are you paying attention to the difference between or in your patient's sleep when they install all LED bulbs in their house versus when they had halogens or incandescents? So it's, I'm glad you actually brought this topic up because it's a, it's a kind of a pet peeve of mine. So <laughs> I work with this company called Lighting Science Group. Um, uh-huh. These are the guys that actually developed all of the light for the space station for NASA cool. because their day runs every 45 minutes up there, right? I mean, sunrise, sunset every 45 mm-hmm. minutes. And so you don't want astronauts to not have a good night's sleep because that's how people die in space, right? Right. And so it's it's very it's it's very hands on. And we um, decided that for and they make a commercial product. And we decided to put warning labels on light bulbs because I believe that light is medicine. Okay. Amen. Right. And so if you think about the effects of light, if you want to know what the next cutting edge thing is, it's not the next hottest pharmaceutical. It's how to use wavelengths of light for the good and to get the ones that aren't so good out of your way, right? Light is medicine. Yeah. I can't say it clear enough. And, you know, I, I, in my house, we actually have specialized bulbs that are um, melatonin friendly bulbs that I have in my bedside table. And it's, it's probably similar to your sleep, uh, your sleep night lights that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have awake bulbs in the bathroom. So when I go into the bathroom, I actually get sun, it, it, what would be equal to sunlight. I mean, obviously it's better for me to walk outside and get sunlight, assuming I'm wearing a robe. But, you know, at the end of the day, you really want to try to get, you want to use light to your advantage. And a lot of people don't realize, but, you know, you get halogen bulbs, you get all this stuff, especially at work. Like, oh, yeah. I, I believe there's a thing called light poisoning. I, I believe it's yes. out there. And I think it there happens. is. And people don't realize it. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because it kind of brings us back full circle to the, to, uh, the power of when and chronorhythms because many people can't even figure out what their true chronorhythm is because they've got so much influence of light that it's throwing their chronorhythms off in different ways. I, I use light to actually help people develop their chronorhythms and figure it out. We use light extensively in my house. Like we dim everything. We have these uh, these night lights 
even my exterior lighting on the house is sea turtle friendly. It, it's mm-hmm. also red. Yeah. And I have owls that live 200 feet from the house That's because so I cool. don't. I right. don't poison them right, right with, with exactly. bright white light all night long, uh, and so I, my research for uh, for Headstrong uh, on mitochondria, it, mitochondria make biophotons. These are little tiny bacteria that kind of run things in our bodies, and yeah. they use light to signal each other. Exactly. And if you soak yourself in, in light, light that they never see, it, it it's like trying to listen to someone in a room. You keep turning up the noise, and, and the signals don't get through. So I'm. I am with you there. My kids sleep all night, every night. They don't have sleep disturbances. The rooms have been pitch black with right. blackout curtains that are real mm-hmm. forever. There's no night lights in there. Yeah, there's no need. Uh, yeah, they wake up at night. There's no there's no white light in the bathroom. It, it's a red light, right? Right, or an amber light. It doesn't really matter for for that purpose. Yeah. And when you say light is medicine, uh, coming up here uh, at the Bulletproof Labs, it's a uh, uh, a new type of facility that I'm opening there in Santa Monica that has hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of biohacking equipment for people to come in and change their own biology, oh, non-medical cool. stuff. Uh, one of the things that we're unveiling is called the the Red Charger, mm. and it's got forty thousand red and infrared LEDs on it, and it's like a tank. Wow, that's cool. And it's a, actually a bulletproof product. You, you lay down on this thing for 20 minutes and you get like a mitochondrial recharge. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I believe is happening, and I, you know, there's lots of arguments, whatever, but we're getting so much blue light. And in nature, red's yeah. the opposite of blue, right? Exactly. So you're at least balancing them out. Like, like, and you, as skeptics and come on and say, there's no evidence you need to balance them out, whatever. I just feel good when I do it. I'm totally fine. There's also water structure changes that happen as a result of light exposure. Oh, yeah. Gerald Pollack who did a lot of that science, he's speaking at the next conference. It's like light changes your body, right? Light is medicine. It's a pharmaceutical like anything else. You have to respect it. You have to know what it is, and you have to know what the effects are. Otherwise, it's going to run your life in not a good way. So last year at, at Peter Diamandis' uh, mastermind, it's called Abundance 360, really fascinating. He brings like the world's top experts and things together to talk mm-hmm. about them. On stage, we had four CTOs from the world's largest consumer technology companies to, who did virtual reality. So okay. guys, I believe like Samsung and Sony and mm-hmm. I, probably Oculus people, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, and you get to ask them questions. So That's like, guys, cool. That was really cool. Like, guys, okay, given that you know, 25 to 70% of your brain is visual processing, and we know that blue light exposure ruins melatonin and is rough on the mitochondria, and you're strapping bright blue lights, these white... Right. Lights of people's heads, right? Which changes visual processing and changes light exposure. Whose job is it to make sure that this stuff is not going to? And I love. I said this to my people. It's not going to fuck us up. And I don't usually f bomb on the show, but that was what I asked them. And you know, people laughed, right? And the answer though scared me. They said, hmm. "Not us." Really, there is no one regulating it, and I don't like mm-hmm. regulation. But there is no one measuring it. Yeah, that's the right. point of having these warning labels, like just yeah. like on the on food where it lists the ingredients. We want to have lighting science wants to have warning labels on light bulbs to say here's how yeah. much LED exposure you're getting, and here's what yeah. this can do to you, and you need to really take it take a look at this. It's yeah. a big friggin' deal. It, it is indeed, and I absolutely support that. There's probably a nonprofit to be done around that. Support just lighting awareness because if there isn't an ingredients label on your light, you go to I won't name the big box stores, but right. but you go there. The lights in the big box stores all have incredibly bright lights that make mm-hmm. you confused, so you buy more crap. Yep. And then if you buy the bulbs there that say they're warm white and they're LED, 
when you look at the actual ingredients and what comes out of them, it is not warm white. It's hyper blue light, even right. though it says warm. Right. It drives me nuts. Yeah, but I mean, if you, but I mean, thinking through that whole model, like you know, if you wanted to go into a business and you wanted to talk with them, like I guarantee you that I could put lights in a business and I can make the whole business more productive. You know, by using specialized lighting and yeah. specialized timing, things like that. There's no question. Guess what? At the Bulletproof Coffee Shops, uh, we've got two mm-hmm. open in LA that do this, two more opening in Seattle, and a bunch more around the country. We actually do this. We have circadian compliant lights. So we've got red in the That's morning, smart. blue in the You're the only one that does. I guarantee uh, it, I want people to go there to feel good. And we build other stuff in, but it's it's required for my employees. Like I, I take care of these people and for my customers. Like how, how could I not with this knowledge? Right. No. So we'll, absolutely. we'll have to talk more offline. There's, okay. there's probably some cool stuff to be done there. For sure. Well, we're coming up on the end of the show and. Uh, we may have to do another show in a few months just because talking about sleep is always so popular. Happy to do it. Um, but before we go, mm-hmm. there's a question that I've asked everyone who's been on the show. Okay. And the question is, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, based on everything you've, you've known and experienced in your life, I want your advice. I want to perform better at everything. So I want to kick more ass at being a human being. What are the three things I need to know? So number one, you need to know your chronotype. Um, that way, you know, when to sleep, when to wake, when to do certain things. So I would say that would certainly be one. Um, I think, um, you got to know and understand what your diet needs to be for you. Um, not all diets are made equal for everybody. And I think that that is important. And number three, you need to know how much sleep you need personally. I think if you have those three things, you're going to rock it. Beautiful. Now, your book is called The Power of Win. People can take the quiz we talked about on powerofwinquiz.com. The Power and, of Win Quiz. Oh, the Power of Win quiz.com. Mm-hmm. Tell me you registered powerofwinquiz.com also and I redirected did. it. Yeah. All right. Good deal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see. Your book is in bookstores now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It will be. Um, I guess. Yeah. It will be. Okay. So, so when, when the show comes out, we're yeah, recording when the, show, when the show comes out. It'll, it'll be right in there. And we're really excited about it. We've got a lot of really interesting things for people to check out. And there's even like when you go to the website, there's different schedules for people who are wolves versus lions versus bears, telling them all the kind of cool stuff they can do during the day. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to help people a lot. So, so one thing we didn't talk about, and I meant to, but we're, we're coming up on the end of the show here, is uh, – you actually tell wolves not to have coffee till like 11 a.m.? So I knew you were going to come up with that. I thought what, that was going to be the thing. What's up with that? That seems sort of disturbing, almost like you're trying to make wolves weak. I, I mean, So here's the thing. It's, <laughs> we know that when you wake up, your cortisol level is the thing that's helping you. One of the things that helps you wake up, right? So that's one of the things that slowly builds up in your body and helps you kind of enter that state of consciousness. And so the, the recommendation is not to not drink coffee at all. It's to wait until your cortisol begins to come back down because when you add caffeine on top of cortisol, it makes some people extremely jittery. All I ask people to do is approximately 90 minutes after they wake up and their cortisol is starting to hit the downslide, that's when you can have a nice cup of coffee and it'll actually bring your energy level up. And you can do that multiple times throughout a day and actually keep your energy level quite high. It's interesting. There's definitely a timing thing. I... Uh, based uh, actually based on an acid alkaline circadian mm-hmm. rhythm, yeah, uh, I recommend <laughs> the, people, the, the people who wake up early mm-hmm. uh, and just like bounce out of bed at six a.m. I, I forget those, those are the lions. lions. Yeah, uh, not us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those, those strange <laughs> no creatures who dwell in the light. 
they uh, that, that for them waiting an hour after they wake up because they already have all the energy, they already have right. an acid spike that mm-hmm. comes. But that I find that people who wake up slowly, like like I do, mm-hmm. um, that they generally benefit from the acid spike. What coffee does is this myth of acid acid coffee is BS. Coffee always has fruit acids in it, right. which increase acidity in the short term, and then they increase alkalinity over the long term, right. which is what gives you power and then endurance. Right. So I, I find a cup of coffee in the morning um, for people to wake up slowly seems to help get the cortisol up enough that they're fully awake. Well, so it's interesting because wolves, unfortunately, a lot of times have to wake up before their body wants them to. And so wolves actually they probably could benefit from coffee a little bit earlier in general. Mm. But as an overall recommendation, if you're following your chronotype and you're waking up at the time that you're supposed to, you should have enough cortisol to get you there um, without you. having... You see what I'm saying? But, yeah, I hear you. But if, the timing of coffee matters. And right. it's, did you get enough sleep and wake up at the right time? I yeah. totally buy it there. Yeah. And, and by the way, I've had other people on the show who are like, coffee's bad for you. No, I don't Most think of them are, for you at all. I drink it every right. day. Most people who say that, they generally look weak and frail, and, and it's okay. Like We love them anyway. I share compassion. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Uh, on that note, Michael, again, thepowerofwindquiz.com. And, and for people listening, you know, I, I have a lot of writers and a lot of authors on who do a lot of, of cool stuff. Uh, and some books I, I recommend more wholeheartedly than others. I don't have anyone on here who is just pumping out crap because it's like your, your time is too valuable for that. And there's some books I'm like, wow, that's something I've never come across. This is one of those cool books. I, I haven't come across this way of thinking. It is much more accurate than Early Bird Night Owl. It, it takes into account a lot of good stuff. Uh, and I think this book is actually worth your time. So if you are into biohacking, you really, really want to read this book. Like it, It's one of the ones that belongs on your shelf. So thanks, Michael. Thank you, Dave. This has been awesome. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. Go to iTunes and click like and say, hey, I really, really appreciated this. And while you're at it, head on over to bulletproof.com and make sure that you've tried some of that unfair advantage we talked about. I am firmly convinced that charging up your mitochondria before you go to sleep can help you wake up feeling amazing. That's what I do before I go to sleep. That's unfair advantage at bulletproof.com. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.